Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 3D Podcast. We thank you so much for joining us again for another edition of the podcast. My name is Sean Coleman, um, and uh, I am joined uh, tonight um, by a former guest on the show, now recurring guest on the show, Colin Griffith, the fellow contributor over at Grizzly Bear Blues. How are you tonight, Colin? I am doing great, Sean. Excited to be uh, returning to the 3D Podcast. We appreciate it. We appreciate it, man. You do, um, uh, Colin. I don't know if I mentioned it, but uh, him and Lauren Harvey both were um, uh, on the show for our draft uh, coverage, and it, it got one of the highest uh, uh, listened to shows that we've had. So, uh, just to, he did a great job breaking stuff down. Then Lauren did as well. We certainly will have her on again. Colin was nice enough to get on the show with me, kind of last minute tonight. But uh, we very much appreciate him taking the time to join that. Um, big, big um, time for the podcast. Uh, news was released today um, that uh, the 3ND podcast will, uh, in the near future, uh, be joining the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. We are ecstatic about that opportunity. Myself and Justin Lewis have worked really hard uh, to make the most of this. Um, thankfully, through the contributions of folks such as Colin uh, and other guests who have been kind enough to join the show, they will be back on in the future. Uh, but just really exciting times. But, uh, you know, hey, y'all have seen that all over Twitter and social media today. We want to take some time to get to the reason why we've been able to take advantage of that opportunity. And that's, of course, giving you some great Grizzlies content. So, Colin, before we get started, last time we talked, obviously, it was the draft. The Grizzlies got John Grant, mm-hmm. Clark. We, you know, already uh, got Jonas Valanciunas. Obviously, a lot has changed. No need to go over all the moves. Everybody knows what's going on, but just a lot of willing and dealing, man. But it's just, it, it's so awesome, refreshing to see this front office put in a lot of effort and, and, and a lot of calculated effort to where they've both been able to improve the roster for the future, but in terms of current players, but also future assets. Just what's your quick take on the summer so far being a Grizzlies fan? I think it's exciting. Uh, I think it's the most exciting summer, you know, I can remember in a while and especially in the past couple of years, you know, coming into last, uh, coming into the previous season from the summer, it was a lot of, okay, are they, you know, we were being touted on the grit and grind rebuild or rebrand, you know, we were kind of thinking it was coming into the same, you know, a lot of the same coming into the season. Are we really going to compete for a playoff? We've got Jaron, but what else do we have around him? How long are Mark and Mike going to stick around? And now it's it's totally different. We have a ton of new faces, a bunch of new guys to get Grizzlies fans excited on. You know, some promising young guys, uh, some guys we're not really sure about, but we'll see what they can contribute. And um, just based on the optimism I've seen on what the moves the front office has made, I think it's going to be really interesting. We have a really interesting group of young guys that are going to be suiting up for the Grizzlies this season. And, you know, they might not win as many games as we'd hope, but I think they're going to be fun to watch. And that's the thing about it. You know, a lot of people have, you know, speculated on what wins will the Grizzlies will be and things like that. It just mm-hmm. sometimes it's fun to talk about. Don't get me wrong, especially during the summer. You know, we're going to see a lot of it over the next two months with, you know, it basically being uh, the dead point of, this, of the, of the uh, NBA schedule. But the thing that I'll get at is, is that, it's going to be um, a lot of um, speculation over wins and things like that. But sometimes it's just best to be simple. And, and that's, I think, what approach the folks could take with the Grizzlies. They should take the approach, 
next season really isn't the, the success of next season really isn't going to be how many wins and losses the Grizzlies have. There's a good chance we're going to suck, just being honest with you. But Absolutely. that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But it's development. Wouldn't you agree, Colin? I mean, it 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 seemed that between game one, game 41, and game 82, that there's development amongst our young players. Do, do you agree that that's probably the best way to judge next season off of? Oh, I would absolutely agree with you. And I think the thing that a lot of Grizzlies fans need to remember is, you know, this season isn't about wins and losses. It's about putting all these guys together because a lot of these important pieces we have haven't played together. John Morant hasn't played with Jaron or Dylan Brooks or Josh Jackson or Kyle Anderson or anyone who we are hoping to get significant contributions from. So I don't think that any Grizzlies fan should really be looking at, you know, how's the team going to perform this year? I think they should be looking at is just let them play basketball. How do they fit together? What lineups work well? What lineups don't? And see, you know, how many guys we can find that have the potential to be a part of the long-term future and which guys, you know, maybe aren't just a good fit for this time. It really is a season of just a lot of experimentation for the Grizzlies. It's an excellent point and a phenomenal point, as a matter of fact. You're right. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of these players have not played together with each other. They need to learn their games, and it's not just the rookies. You're going to, you know, I mean, you've got Kyle Anderson, you've got Jay Crowder, uh, you got Dylan Brooks, you got some other Bruno Caboclo, you got some other players who weren't in this draft class, but are still young enough to where they're still developing their careers. They haven't hit their prime yet. You got to get chemistry with all these guys, and I really think. I really think that there are some ways the Grizzlies could overachieve if if they really focused on developing players the right way. I know Taylor Jenkins, you know, has been described as a tactician. So, it, it, again, I, I wrote a piece for Grizzly Bear Blues recently where I stated that it's not just about developing the players, but also developing how you utilize them. And so that, I think, is going to be Taylor Jenkins' big role, is that, yeah, he's going to be, a, I think he's going to do fine developing these players, but utilizing them correctly in terms of lineups, in terms of situations, minutes, roles, things like that. So um, I think that's what it comes down to. But in this podcast, what we really wanted to focus on is this. Obviously, the Summer League is over. Great, great Summer League um, um, <laughs> display. Uh, Colin, what was your big takeaway? Let, let me put it to you this way. If there's one thing that you could take away from the summer league besides Brandon Clark, what would that be? <laughs> um, something I really liked was uh, John, and I'm probably going to say his name wrong. Is it? Con- I've heard Concher. I've heard Conquer. Yeah, yeah, John um, Concher. But I was really impressed with his uh, with his play. Not necessarily his scoring because he didn't exactly light up. He struggled with his shot a little bit, but he did a little bit of everything, and he did it pretty well. He was known, you know, coming from a small school, he was known for his versatility, and he really was a leader for his team in college and kind of did everything for him, you know. He really was the go-to guy in all areas of the game. And although his shot wasn't falling in summer league, he really uh, was still able to showcase that do-it-all kind of ability. And... Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does uh, with the hustle and with the Grizzlies over the course of the season. He probably won't get too much playing time with Memphis, but I think he could be a real good player on the, for the hustle this year. And and the thing that I'll say is this, is that that's, that's the other, that's a, a lot of times, not necessarily the loss thing, but the added benefit of moving the hustle to um, the Memphis area. 
a city that has such a thirst for basketball. Obviously, the the Tigers now are, are doing wonderful. I'll, I'll you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and sing too many praises. Don't you agree with me on that, Colin? We we on this show <laughs> we don't sit here we don't sit here and sing the praises of the Tigers. Okay, go Vols. All right, especially when <laughs> Justin's not here singing the praises of Ole Miss. Okay, don't be agreeing with me about the Tiger. I'm kidding. I'll stop. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> but all joking aside, um, you know, I think that that's a you bring up a good point. The hustle. Is a is it's it's a good asset to have close. I know a lot of people love the hustle games. Um, I know that a, a fellow GBB or brand Neighborham, he does a lot of coverage for them, and uh, he says that they're a great atmosphere. So you're right. The good thing about mm-hmm. these young players that we saw in the summer league, you can still continue to see them to develop. But what we're going to focus on in today's show is we're going to focus on who we potentially see the players that we see having some type of significant role with the Grizzlies this year, we really want to focus on each of those players. And me and Colin will go back and forth saying one thing that we feel each player should try to really develop on the one part of their game that if they were to develop it could lead them to a next level. Now you probably will hear a few times the same thing being mentioned for difference, but while different players have different roles, Everybody on this team that's young and that has the ability to play a significant role, they all could develop. And so that's, that's I think, what we're going to focus on. Just a show I really wanted to do because I, I think this time frame where it's the first training camp with Taylor Jenkins and his staff that's still coming together, I think this could be critical in making sure the Grizzlies get off to this, a good start this season. So let's start with the veterans of the group. And, uh, you know, we'll start with Jay Crowder, um, Colin. And so – Jay Crowder, mm-hmm. a player who his impact is not found in the box score, but yet it seems like he's always in the postseason. You know, he's been looked at as being one of the better contracts in the NBA. When you look at his game and you see what role he'll play for Memphis, where do you think he could improve the most, or where would you like to see him really develop his game in terms of what he could bring to Memphis? Uh, well, in terms of developing his game, I'd like to see, if possible, him throw it back a little bit to his Celtics days. He was uh, a pretty efficient model of what you want from a typical three and D wing. Uh, And, you know, whether that's possible or not, we'll see, but it made him a menace and he was always willing to take on the opposing team's best player and doing so could be beneficial for both him and the Grizzlies because, you know, if he ends up getting traded later on, playing well is only going to boost his value and he could go to a contender and, you know, the Grizzlies might be able to get some, some assets back for him. But something else I'd like him to see is also more of a mentoring role. He has a really good opportunity to kind of take Dylan Brooks and Josh Jackson under his wing a little bit and kind of show him how it, how it takes, what it takes to be a successful guy in the NBA when you're not necessarily the most talented player on your team. Um, so I think he's got a real teaching opportunity on his hands, but I'd like to see him throw it back a little bit to his Boston Celtic days. Yeah, it seems like that when he was with with Boston, uh, that's when he was his most um, efficient when it came to scoring. He's never been a big scorer. He's he's always been a guy who didn't have any type of reluctance taking his shot. But you're you're not going to sit here and see him take twenty to twenty five shots a game. And I think that you hit the nail on the head. He could be a mentoring role, but I think part of what made him so good during his Boston days was his efficiency with his decision-making, I think especially on Mm -hmm. offense. I really think that Jay Crowder, what I would like for him to become is that 
premier 3 and D guy on this team. I think that he, the efficiency in his three-point game or even just his spot-up shooting game, that's the one thing that's lacking on the Grizzlies roster right now is a true, reliable spot-up shooter. I don't think that Jay Crowder is going to all of a sudden turn into J.J. Redick or even Avery Bradley like he was playing in March of last year. But I do think that Jay Crowder could become a spot-up shooter. He can get to the rim on occasion. But I do think that Jay Crowder's perimeter game is something that I would like to see be more efficient. So if he could focus on that during the offseason, I think that that would be a, a part of his game that could develop that could potentially make him a better trade piece for the Grizzlies going forward. You mentioned a couple of players that he could be a mentor for, and that player is Josh Jackson. Um, obviously, the Grizzlies got him from the Phoenix Suns in the DeAnthony Melton trade that sent Kyle Korver and uh, Javon Carter to Phoenix. When it comes to Josh Jackson, obviously, set aside the off-the-court issues. Those obviously need to clear themselves. But when it comes to his on-the-court production, where do you feel he could really improve his game going forward, Colin? Uh, I think something he could really improve on is his shot selection and just overall decision-making. And I know some of the guys at GBB have heard he touched on it. We all know Josh Jackson is kind of at a crossroads in his NBA career. You know, he was the number four pick, and Phoenix has already given up on him after two seasons. He was basically a throwaway in the Javon Carter, D'Anthony Mellon trade you mentioned. And part of that is because he just wasn't displaying the same the same game he played with at Kansas. And while he's never been a great shooter, his decision-making has been questionable at, at best. But I think that moving to the Grizzlies could be good because in Phoenix, he was counted on pretty heavily. You know, he was playing a pretty good chunk of minutes in his time with the Suns. He didn't have a lot of wings, especially his rookie year. And it kind of put more pressure on him, especially being the number four pick to succeed early on, especially when all these other young guys who have come into the league recently have gotten off to really fast starts. So I think kind of eating the pressure off will help him. And having a good point guard like uh, and like Tyus to help set him up with easier shots, clean looks, I think that could be really beneficial for him. So I'd like to see his efficiency improve. I know improve. I know that's not always the easiest thing, but if I'm being honest, you know, improving his offensive game is probably going to be the best way for him to have real staying power in the league. I agree with you, but I will say this, and 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 I really think that this is a part of his game that it, it, because of the distractions off the court, a lot of people kind of lose focus on. Josh Jackson has a lot of defensive potential. He has a mm-hmm. some very good defensive potential. I mean, I was looking at some numbers. I uh, um, uh, talked with a Parker Fleming earlier tonight. We were looking at some Josh Jackson numbers. Think about Josh Jackson. When you look at the Phoenix Suns roster last year, for any two-man combination that played 700 minutes or more together, first off, Kyle Anderson and Jaron Jackson Jr., they led the NBA. They had the best defensive rating of any two teammates that played 700 or more minutes together last season. Josh Jackson on the Phoenix Suns, he was in three of the top four duos. So Josh Jackson, I don't wow. ever feel that he, yeah, that's the thing about him. I don't ever feel he's going to be an all-star or anything like that, but he has the potential to be a very significant defender. And that is a that is one thing I think people are sleeping on with this Grizzlies team. Jay Crowder included. There's a lot of defensive potential on this. Kyle Anderson, Josh Jackson, Bruno Caboclo, all these guys. We'll get to the, you know, some of the featured ones later on in this episode. But I think that Josh Jackson really getting a mindset 
to focus on his defense and trusting Taylor Jenkins' teachings to make him and, 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 and you know, develop him on defense, I think that's where Josh Jackson really could, you know, refine his career. He could make his career rebound is through his defensive effort. So, agreed. Uh, offense would be good, but I think if he could work that defensive angle, he could find um, some good success. Recently, another GBB or um, Parker Fleming, we've said it all across social media, but again, I want to give a shout out to Parker Fleming. Congratulations to him on uh, being the newly promoted associate editor over at Grizzly Bear Blues. But he recently wrote a piece calling about Dylan Brooks. And, you know, Dylan Brooks kind of had a lost season uh, last year uh, due to injury. Um, you know, I want to make a quick joke here. It seems like he's been more. Um, Talked about outside, about his activity off the court and his activity on the court this offseason. Don't know the validity to all those rumors or things such as that. But when you look at Dylan Brooks as a player, it he's not at a crossroads. But I don't think Dylan Brooks is ever going to become just a significant starter. But he does have the capability of being a very good role player. But he needs to establish health and consistency doing that. Where do you think he could improve the most as a player that could really allow for him to do that and, you know, get positive vibes going into this year like he had coming off his rookie year? Well, I think you just, I think you just hit the nail right on the head, Sean. Consistency, I think, is the biggest key for Dylan. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll gas up Dylan Brooks, you know, with the best of them. He was my favorite guy coming out of Oregon and having my – favorite college player land and my favorite pro team is a dream come true. But uh, the thing that has plagued him his first two years in the league has been consistency. And I know he missed a lot of time last year with injuries, but he had some some high highs and some low lows, especially in his rookie year. And the thing that I kind of, you know, was able to write it off was, well, you know, he's not being asked to do a ton. The burden is most was most definitely on Mike and Mark to uh, – create a lot of the offense and the scoring and things like that. But he is he now finds himself in an interesting spot where he's a third-year guy, but he's one of the most tenured Grizzlies on the team. In fact, he might be the most tenured, him and him as well as Ivan Rabb, the longest tenured Grizzlies currently on the team. So he finds himself in an interesting position where he will be looked at as a veteran, and he doesn't really have those stars that he had to fall back on. So he needs to be able to find more consistency in his game. You know, he might not be going off for 30 points all the time, but he also should be making sure that he's not, you know, dropping goose eggs in these games. And uh, I think he really, once he is able to find some sense of consistency, it'll really help him develop into, I think the term that was tossed around was an elite role player. And I will say this about Dylan Brooks. You know more about him than I do. I believe that uh, your days <laughs> go back to being an Oregon fan, which makes perfect sense. Um, mm-hmm. But with with Dylan Brooks, for me, the one there's a good chance that he may be the starter at the two. And the one thing that is missing with the Grizzlies right now, like I kind of said with Jay Crowder, that spot-up shooting, Dylan Brooks does have some decent catch-and-shoot catch and potential. Um, he, I think that he's a heady player, uh, kind of like a Kyle Anderson, maybe not as effective as Kyle Anderson, but kind of like a Kyle Anderson and, you know, being able to do the most with what he has to work with. But that spot up mm-hmm. shooting ability coming off screens and things such as that, I think with Dylan getting in good shape, I don't know if Dylan's ever been in bad shape, 
but getting them the best shape he can to make the most of his athletic ability. I think the catch-and-shoot game, working off screens, basically his movement without the ball, I think is a big step forward for Dylan Brooks so that he can get good looks at the basket and he can develop that outside game because if he can do that, he does enough of the small things well to where he could have a decade-long NBA career if he can become any type of threat from the outside. As we continue down, yeah, as as we continue <laughs> down the list, um, you know, Ivan Rab. Now, Ivan Rab of these players that we're going to mention again, we're not really looking at the the veterans that that probably won't be here. You know, you look around, you'll see Dwight Howard, you'll see Andre Iguodala, Solomon Hill, Miles Plumley. Those players are likely to be traded at some point, or they're going to have very limited roles. But we're going to focus on Ivan Rab now. Colin, Ivan Rab probably has the least security, I think, right now of any of the players we're going to mention. But really what it is is that with Rab, it's what is he going to be able to do? Like it seems like he has established his strengths, but what is his next step? What? How do you foresee Rab showing the Grizzlies coaching staff that he has a place on this roster? What part of his game should he improve the most or focus on the most? Um, well, similar to Dylan Brooks, I would say consistency, but the biggest thing I think that he needs to show is that he's not going to be pushed around by some of these guys. And I do think that if there's going to be a casualty, you know, among the Grizzlies before the season starts, I do think it could be Ivan Rab. Um, and part of the reason for that is, you know, his game is, it is what it is. He's a, He's a pretty skilled offensive guy, especially in the mid-range, but he just gets bullied on the block by these bigger guys. And, you know, the NBA necessarily isn't necessarily a big man's game nowadays, but it's still important, and you still got to be able to defend at a high level, especially when so many teams play positionless basketball. And you have guys, Ivan size switching on to guys like Steph Curry, Dame Willard, that kind of thing. Um, and he has to, but he still has to be shown that he's not going to be out muscled by every single guy that comes along. You know, is he going to be able to stand up to some of the bigger guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron and Embiid and someone who can out muscle him? Not necessarily. Not many people can. Do I think he should be able to hold his own against the Maxi Cleavers and the Ines Cantors of the world? Yeah, he should be able to, I would think. Um, so it's just whether it's putting on a little extra muscle in the weight room, whether it's improving his footwork and his uh, defensive instincts on the other end. You know, I think some defensive consistency would help him stick around with the Grizzlies. The thing that I'll say about Ivan Rabb is that I feel like he has established his work in the league. He is, for lack of a better word, I call him energy bigs or boost bigs. These uh, post players that are probably limited in terms of their ability to do, they don't really have an outside game. They're probably a liability on defense, but how can they carve themselves on a roll? It's through energy, and that's what he does. I know in a game last year, I'm in Portland uh, late one night. Ivan Rabb was the absolute difference in that game. I can't remember or not if we won, but I know that he kept us in the game at the very least. But Ivan Rabb's ability to get rebounds and get points in a hurry off the bench that is an asset for a lot of teams to have. I feel that that would especially be the case if he went to another team that may not have as many young stars or young talent in his area um, where he operates. But on defense, if he were to take the next step, I think that in terms of his defense, it's 
a lack of wasted movement. That's something that you saw a lot of praise sent Brandon Clark's way in the summer league was that there was anticipation. Mm -hmm. And whenever he moved, there was a plan in place to do it. Ivan Rab has to overcome his lack of athleticism and lack of body fluidity to be able to um, hold his own on defense. And that comes with, you know, intelligent movement of his feet and, and thought processes. So working on his defensive efficiency, I think is definitely something Ivan Rab could do to take the next step. Now we're getting into some fun names and we're going to get focus <laughs> on Mr. Grayson Allen. Obviously, um, you know, one of the prizes of the Utah trade uh, last year, their first round pick, uh, now a Memphis Grizzly, didn't show a lot in his first year. Obviously, he showed concerns from his Duke days going after, of all people, Grant Williams. Don't, don't, don't go after Grant Williams. You're not allowed to do that. But, you know, again, kind of like Josh Jackson, we obviously know that he needs to get his head right. There, there, there doesn't need to be any more distractions. He doesn't have the equity didn't have the talent equity built to where it's okay. The Grizzlies will deal with his antics. He's got to prove that he actually can add value on the court. Colin, what's the best way he can do that? He has to find his role. You know, when he was at Duke, um, he quickly became their leader on the court. And he, you know, he didn't always reflect it. We all know that. That's It is what it is. And everybody, it's pretty transparent. But since coming to the NBA, you know, what is he going to be? Is he going to be a spark off the bench? Is he going to be a shooter? Can Does he have 3 and D potential? He does, but he really has to find his role. He's not going to be what he was at Duke, which I think could have been the issue with some of his pro, uh, or some of his issues in his first year with Utah. He's not going to be the leader of the team. He's not going to be their go-to guy, the, the guy who takes the final shot. Uh, so he has to find what his role is. Is he can he just be a 3-and-D guy? Is he just a good shooter? You know, can he be – because he does have good athleticism. He could be a nice spark off the bench, a nice change of pace guy. He has shown a decent ability to handle the ball. He's a decent passer, not great, but not terrible. But he just has to find his role. He has a role, but he has to discover what it is if he wants to stick around, at least with Memphis. And I agree completely. And I think that with uh, with um, uh, Grayson Allen, it's not even the 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 emotional um, stability getting in place. I think when you watch Grayson Allen play, there's a lot of energy. There's almost a Tony Allen to his game. There's a lot of energy, emotion. He has that capability. I feel to really be that emotional momentum shift type guy. I don't think that Grayson Allen ever is going to be just a true skill guy. He's got that one skill that makes him stand out, that makes him have a mustache on your team. I think that he's the type of guy, kind of like a Jay Crowder, you're not really ever going to find his true value in the box score. But with energy and movement and things like that, I want for him to be a menace without being a problem. And what I mean by that is, is that on defense, it's the control movement, not being out of position, using his head to create chaos. On offense, being a good passer, getting in there and getting that rebound out of nowhere that nobody expected. And also doing a lot of movement without the ball to get open for shots. So I think that what it is, is that it's transferring whatever energy leads to his tantrums or to his meltdowns, taking that energy and transforming it into intelligent movement on the court. 
I feel like that could really do Grayson Allen some good on both sides of the ball. I think he has the shot to have a role for the Grizzlies, you know, over the next few years. But number one, he's got to get his emotions in check. Number two, he's got to figure out how he can add value through a war with the Grizzlies. You hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. Heading over to another piece that the Grizzlies acquired this year, along with Allen, was DeAnthony Melton. Now, obviously, DeAnthony Melton is someone who who is going to have a limited role in this team. Number two pick, John Morant. The Grizzlies spent $8 million each of the next three years to bring in Tyus Jones as a backup to Morant. DeAnthony Melton probably is not going to see that many minutes starting off. But Colin, the Grizzlies have been rumored to have interest in him for a long time. What can he do to show that the Grizzlies' interest in him was well worth it? He's got, he just, to be, to put it simply, he's got to take advantage of the opportunities he's given. And it doesn't necessarily just limit that to being on the court. Um, you know, I going into last year's draft, I also liked DeAnthony Melton. I thought he would be an intriguing prospect with the second round, with our second round pick. Um, but as far as opportunities go, he is going to have two very different point guards in front of him on the depth chart in John Morant and Tyus Jones. Everybody knows who both these guys are. John Morant is flashy. He's athletic, highlight passes, but he, he tends to turn the ball over a lot. And, you know, he does have the ball in his hands a lot, which can help explain that. But Tyus is, quite frankly, not super exciting to watch unless you're a real basketball nerd. He's efficient with the ball. He makes smart decisions. He's constantly looking uh, for teammates' shot, not his own. So DeAnthony has two very different styles of point guard in front of him. And if I was him, I would just be looking to learn as much as I can from these guys. You know, he wasn't didn't show a ton in Phoenix, but he's got a lot of potential. And I think the best thing for him to do is just to make the most of the opportunity to learn from the guys on the team, even someone like Kyle Anderson, who isn't necessarily a point guard, but he's good with the ball in his hands and he makes smart passes and smart decisions. Just look at all these guys who can handle the ball and set up the team in different ways. And I would just looking, be looking to absorb as much as I possibly could. And I agree with you about the Anthony Melton. For me, for him, it's just it's it's being a play creator on both sides of the ball. I recently wrote about him in an article with Tyus Jones and John Morant, how the Grizzlies, I feel, were wanting to focus on having a facilitator to kind of give their offense a, a, a good level floor, a, a high floor as a team, but constantly having a facilitator. You're right. He looks for player shot, other player shots before his own, but also in defense. His length and his energy and his effort – that can make him a very good defender. Not, I don't know if it's lockdown, but when I say being a play creator, getting some turnovers to where he can lead a fast break, I really think that's how he could stand out to be a good option for the Grizzlies off the bench going forward. So I think that being able to create plays for Melton probably is the big thing about his game that he really needs to focus on. Another player who probably has a bench role, but in my opinion could be one of the sleeper picks for what Grizzly develops the most this season is Bruno Caboclo. Obviously, um, a, a very intriguing talent just when you look at him naturally. Um, someone that's certainly taken longer to develop than most might like for, for you know a guy that was picked in the teens and in the, in the NBA draft. But there is a lot mm-hmm. to work with with Caboclo. What do you think he needs to do to really establish, you know, going from a guy who doesn't really have, you know, a guarantee beyond this year, what can he do to get get a guarantee for many years to come this year with the Grizzlies, Colin? 
Um, well, for Bruno, I think it's the best thing he can do is play off the strength of his teammates. Uh, when Bruno was kind of showing out a little bit last year, he didn't have a whole lot around him. Jonas went down. He had to run right. But, there weren't, you know, the Grizzlies weren't getting a ton of contributions. But it allowed us to see what Bruno can do. And he's long and he's athletic. And he can shoot respectably well when left open. And he's got defensive potential. And, his, you know, his arms go out almost a country mile, it seems like. But he is going to be playing with a set of guys who can really help unlock his potential. And, you know, people talk about guys going into potential contract years and wanting to put on a show so they can secure that next deal. And he, I think, is fortunate enough to be playing with a group of guys who will be able to unlock his, you know, that potential, that what people called him the Brazilian KD and two years away from being two years away. Um, he's playing with a group of guys that can really help set him up for the for his future, whether it's with the Grizzlies or not. They kind of build off that potential that got him taken in the first round a couple of years ago. So if I was him, I would just be looking to play off my teammates as much as possible and kind of help rely on them to help set him up to succeed. So we, we've thrown out some names. I, I think that Bruno Caboclo has a very good chance of being a 3 and D player. And I think the Grizzlies are going to give him every chance to be that because they need some three-point sources. And he does have a good stroke. He's got confidence as well. He's not that efficient right now. But for me, mm-hmm. I don't question Bruno Caboclo's effort. I do feel that there are times where he's not as locked in at all times like other players are. And that's what I think that he needs to do. For me, with Bruno Caboclo, he has all the physical capabilities to make a lot of money and play a lot of years in the NBA with his body. But he does not have the speed or he doesn't have that athletic ability to make up for not also having a his mind be a strong asset. I think with Jay Crowder, with Kyle Anderson here, when it comes to Bruno Caboclo, the thing that he needs to improve on is how to become more efficient with his um, body and how to use it to where he can, you know, get more consistent with his shot. He can be able to cause uh, disruptions on the perimeter on defense. I think that learning the game more and developing his IQ is probably the biggest thing for Bruno Caboclo to take that next step as a player. So we've talked about the bench and and now we're going to get into some of the starters. Uh, You know, maybe not every one of these guys are starters, but probably if not, they're the first guys off the bench. Kyle Anderson, a very, you know, almost an enigma now. Uh, a lot of people thought that one of the best moves of the, the free agency for the Grizzlies was them being able to steal Kyle Anderson from the Spurs. When he played last year, he struggled at first with success in time, but obviously was lost for the last third of the season due to injury. Colin, when you look at Kyle Anderson, you know what you are getting with him. You know that he can add value, maybe not all the time in the way you may think it. You know, it may not make common sense he's adding value, but he is. What can he do to improve his game? Uh, for him, I think it's just getting back to his basics. You know, we knew what kind of player he was with the Spurs. And at least in my opinion, early on in his Grizzly tenure, he didn't exactly seem to have the freedom to play that role. He was asked to, be, to do maybe some of the things that he wasn't necessarily good at. And um, and I know that I've touched about how many different ball handlers the Grizzlies. It seems like the Grizzlies have now. But Kyle Anderson is, right now, he's probably the best of them. He's the most experienced. You know, we don't know how Jazz rookie season is going to go. And 
that sort of thing. But um, he's now kind of like Dylan. He's now looked upon as a leader, as a veteran. He's one of the most experienced guys on the team. And he just has to get back to the basics of his game. You know, they call him slow-mo for a reason. He has the slowest fast breaks I've ever seen in my life. But he plays great defense. He sets up his teammates. He takes advantage of the opportunities that he's given. And I think just playing his game, you know, playing the game that he's used to at the pace that he's used to will help him get back to what he was and to provide leadership and some some solid, not spectacular production on the court. The thing with Kyle Anderson is this, is that intelligence is his biggest asset. It's, he's got elite intelligence. He knows what to do. He knows how to maximize the athleticism that he has. Um, he's a facilitator. Everybody knows that. He's a, an effective defender. The Grizzlies are good when he's being able to play perimeter defense. The biggest takeaway for me on offense is a guy this smart, I feel, should by now have some type of arsenal to go to to score baskets. I think he I think he patrols the baseline well. Like you said, he could pull the fast break off even if it takes 48 and a half minutes to get it done. <laughs> but when it but when it comes to Kyle Anderson, I feel like that in the half-court offense, he needs to add to his arsenal. Like I say, he can work the baseline well, but he's got to be able to move around to where he can get a mid-range game going and an outside game going as well. So I think for Kyle Anderson, it's really, you know, kind of like you mentioned, getting effective shot selection um, in his offensive game. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so getting into some of the, you know, clear preferred players, the guys the Grizzlies are going to feature, we're looking at Tyus Jones. Now, obviously, he's the new guy in town, um, someone that, you know, a lot of people feel there's a lot of debate about whether we needed to keep DeLone right or go with Tyus Jones. But Jones is here. He's young and he's developing. From what you know about Jones, Colin, how do you feel Tyus Jones could take the next step in his game to show that the Grizzlies were right to invest in him? Well, I was I was among uh, those who really liked the Tyus Jones. Um, I watched a lot of him when he was a Duke. Um, I think that he can really add good value to the team. Like I've touched on before, he's such an efficient passer. He's very smart with the ball. He doesn't make many mistakes. The biggest thing to improve on for me is his shooting. He was a decent shooter at Duke. He struggled a little bit with the Timberwolves. And he's not likely to see, you know, too much of an increase in role with the Grizzlies. But uh, I think his shot selection and just kind of increasing his ability to shoot with the Grizzlies would help. Um, I think he'll get more open looks than he did with Minnesota. You know, Minnesota wasn't necessarily stocked with three-point shooters. Hey, Colin, 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 I don't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. Uh, we are keeping our in-laws puppy, and she, for some reason, has woken up and is <laughs> very disruptive. Can you hear her? Yes. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm going to stop for just a second, get her to calm down, and we'll pick right back up here. Give me just a second. I'm sorry about this, okay? No no worries, absolutely. So looking at this, Colin, um, you know, obviously the new guy in town, um, uh, Tyus Jones, the latest edition. Um, there was a lot of debate about, you know, does it make sense for the Grizzlies to invest in Tyus when they've already got the loan right? You know, you can go back and forth with that debate all day long, but Tyus does have a lot of intriguing um, potential with his game, especially how young he is. We know the asset that he can be, but what could allow for him to take that next step if he really wanted to develop? 
Well, uh, I was on the side of the debate that was pro-Tyus. Don't get me wrong, I liked DeLon, but I think Tyus kind of fits with where the Grizzlies are going a little bit better than DeLon Wright. And I, to be honest, I wanted DeLon Wright to get his money, to be a starter, to find some success. So I'm happy for him. But with Tyus, I think the biggest thing is just improving his shot a little bit better. He had a decent career shooting the ball at Duke, and he struggled a little bit with Minnesota. You know, they have some spacing issues, and that's not to say that the Grizzlies don't. But I do think that he's going to get more opportunities in Memphis uh, to kind of rediscover his offensive game. And to be honest, the big thing, I think, is aggressiveness. We know what he is. He's a really efficient passer. He takes care of the ball. He's constantly looking to set up his teammates. But I think he he could do well with a little dose of aggressiveness to every once, you know, every once in a while find his shot to take his shot to say, you know what, I'm going to score this basket. I got this one, guys. I think that just a touch of aggressiveness in his own offensive game could do wonders for him. Colin, we're done here. You stole my point. I don't, I don't understand why you did that. Not cool, man. My, my, my bad. No, no, I, I no. The point I was going to make was aggressiveness. It, it, it kind of goes back to you know Kyle Anderson, somebody this smart who can be this efficient. You know, as Peter Edmondson pointed out, the his efficiency being at historic levels, the smarts have to be there for him to be able, I think, to develop a, a pull up game. You know, I think that that's going to really help him out. He's not going to have much success going to the basket, getting in the lane in traffic. It's just it, it, it's it's that simple with how small he is. But if he can develop any type of pull-up game, that's just another part of his game people are going to have to respect. And also, um, a shout-out to Parker Fleming on this. Um, he brought up, you know, that Tyus is, it does have a very good ability to, to create turnovers through steals. You get him in the fast break with his distribution ability, that can go a long way for the Grizzlies bench to be able to be advantageous for the roster to where their bench is keeping them in games more than people think. The next guy is probably the one with the most buzz right now, probably the one that's being most talked about right now. Amazing to say that a month after the Grizzlies drafted uh, John Morant, but it's Brandon Clark, the summer MVP, um, obviously showing you know his natural ability is certainly there to where he could be a t- considered a top five talent in this draft and could really have a significant NBA career. However, his game's still developing. What do you feel about his game would be critical to this year being a successful first year for Brandon Clark? Um, to me, the word would be patience. I love Brandon Clark. I was ecstatic that they got him at 21. And look, he, he's barely been in Memphis a few months, and he's already an MVP and a champion. I mean, most successful Grizzlies rookie ever, am I right? But patience, I think, is the name of the game for him. He showcased a decent ability to shoot the three, which surprised me. And Granted, summer league competition is not exactly on par with the NBA, but it showcased that his game is still improving, despite the fact that people think he's more of a finished product, especially because he's a little older than most rookies. But patience is the name of the game. He's got to play his game his way and not try to rush his development. You know, just because he hit some threes at summer league doesn't mean I want to see him jacking up five threes a game in the NBA. That's probably not going to be good for him or his career. So I just think taking it at his own pace, sticking to what he's good at, he's so athletic, he's a great rebounder, he's a smart player, he's uber efficient. I think the rest of his game will come along in time. It just isn't something at this stage that should be rushed. 
For me, it is the offensive packaging. I don't ever think that Brandon Clark will be or should be some type of post-up threat like Jonas Valanciunas is. But adding to his offensive arsenal, I think, makes some sense. A back-to-the-basket game, a good, good mid-range game would help him out. I think that his arsenal of being able to, if he gets that ball in a half-court type setting, he's deadly off the pick and roll. He's deadly in the fast court. But adding to his offensive arsenal to where he can also, like you said, as the game slows down, if he's got to slow down a little bit as well, being patient because he knows he has the confidence of a few moves he can go to to get to the basket, you know, if the defense is focused on him. I think that that would be the big development for him, continuing to develop his offensive um, um, game to where he can create even when the opportunity itself may not seem like there's a lot to work with. Next guy is the big guy himself, uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Um, the, 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 I guess you could call him the prize uh, um, long-term free agent get for the Grizzlies. But um, a lot to like about his game. I mean, the impact that him and Conley made on our team, they changed the identity of the team on the spot. Obviously, the, the Grizzlies front office try to continue that. You know, offense does definitely sell tickets. But Jonas Valanciunas, where do you see him being able to improve his game that really could turn him into a trade chip or say the Grizzlies overachieve to where he could be a vital part of them during a stretch run for a potential playoff uh, spot a few years from now? Well, I think if Jonas is going to improve any area of his game, it's going to be on the defensive end. He's a pretty polished product on the offensive end. He's never going to be a great three-point shooter, but he's a guy who will take you down low. He'll beat you up. He's got a good back-to-the-basket game. He's a strong rebounder, but he's never been a great defender. He's a great screen setter. You know, it's, I assume it's like running into a brick wall, but um, he can definitely stand to improve a little bit on the defensive end, especially because he's going to be the guy who's going to take the beating for Memphis this year. He's going to be the guy battling in the block, battling guys like Joel Embiid and some of those bigger boys, and increasing his ability or becoming a more efficient defensive player is only going to boost his value. It's only going to increase his overall game. It's just going to make him a complete player, the player that I think he wanted to be when he left Toronto, the player that the Grizzlies want him to be, that the fans want him to be. So I think defensive, his defensive ability and kind of being able to shoulder more of the defensive load is going to be key for him. Yes, uh, 100% yes. Um, The thing about Jonas Valanciunas, as good as he is with his body and using his body, it's just natural with his size. It's hard to move his feet quickly, especially as he gets away from the basket. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a byproduct of all the other length and athleticism sources this defense has. If you can keep Jonas down low, he can do a lot of good work. Something that I feel the Grizzlies need to feature Jonas in the trailing transition game. Jonas from the three-point land. He has got a decent stroke. Now, he's not going to sit there and create shots on his own. He's not going to hit 100 threes a, a year like Mark is now. But Jonas is one of 11 players in NBA history who have made more than 33s while shooting better than 40% from beyond the arc You know, in a season. He did that you know, in 2017-2018. So he does have that potential. I think that that's something that he can really add to his game. I think that's something Taylor Jenkins wants to do 
for the spatial um, ramifications. It, it just makes people respect another wrinkle in the offense. And again, it makes him more modern. It allows for his game to adjust to what's expected from a big in today's NBA. This can make him a good trade chip. So I think developing that three-point game again would do Jonas a lot of good. Getting to the the, the, the dynamic duo, uh, John Morant, second pick in the NBA draft this year. Um, obviously, just a lot of intriguing talent to work with, more so with what he can do for other players than himself. But there are flaws, as is the case with any rookie, especially in a draft such as this. Colin, what does John Morant need to focus on this early in his career to really make sure he gets off to the right foot in his overall development? Uh, well, in my opinion, it's turnovers. And I know I mentioned it briefly earlier. He averaged about four turnovers a game with Murray State. You know, and to be fair, that comes with having the ball in his hands as much as he does. And most people aren't going to worry about four turnovers a game when you're averaging 10 or 11 assists like he was in college. Um, and while no doubt, I have no doubt that he has the ability to be one of the best passers in the NBA, even at such an early stage in his career, got to take better care of the ball. He's, he's long, he's athletic, he's lightning fast. He's got to be able to protect that ball, especially against some of the more defensively skilled point guards we have in the league. You know, I, I almost shudder to think of what Pat Beverly could do the first time he lines up against him. You know, he might be looking at his chops going up against John Morant. He's got to be able to secure the ball a little bit better. You know, I'm not saying he's got to cut them all down severely, you know, next to impossible, but just just focus on trying to limit those mistakes as best you can. And, I mean, even learn from Tyus. You have the guy sitting behind you on the depth chart is – one of the most efficient passers in NBA history for a single season. You know, they can that those two guys could definitely learn off each other, like I mentioned before with the Anthony Melton. So for me, it's just him learning to limit his mistakes as as much as he possibly can. It'll it'll just be very beneficial for him in the long run, I think. For me, it's self-sufficiency. And what I mean by that is not his ability to pass. That's elite, obviously. It's not his ability to get to the rim. That also is something he's very good at. But for someone as lean as he is, if he's constantly trying to get into the lane, it's going to impact him. He's going to, those minutes will wear on him. So for me, for John Morant, it's the self-sufficiency as a scorer. Developing a three-point game, developing a mid-range game, like Mike Conley was so lethal with, developing a floater game to where he's not going to have to bang every time he goes to the basket. Um, I know that it looks good, but for me, it's, it, it's fine to have 10 highlight plays a year. But what about being the guy 30 to 35 minutes tonight who's really elevating your offense to be better than expected? So for me, it's mm-hmm. the self It's adding the multiple ways he can score and score to where the other team can respect him that really will take his game to a higher level than most expect early on. And finally, as we wrap up this episode, we're looking at Jaron Jackson Jr., obviously the future of the franchise. You know, this guy right now is our anchor. Hopefully, John Morant challenges him for that role in time. But uh, But yeah. Uh, just um, looking at Jaron Jackson Jr., where Colin, with all his immense talent, could he really find success if he were to develop this skill going into the next season? Uh, well, you really hit it there. He has immense talent. His potential is its just exciting to think about, especially when you pair him with a young guy like Ja. I mean, you can even you can just log on to Twitter and look at the camaraderie that they share. I mean, they already seem like they're the best of friends, and it creates a really exciting duel for the future. 
But if there's something about Jaron that I'd like to see him improve on is his rebounding. He's not a bad rebounder, but for a guy who's as big and long and quick as he is, you know, eventually he's going to be looked at as the guy down low, you know, that needs to get those rebounds. And he has Jonas to lean on, especially um, Jonas is a dominant rebounder. He's just a big bully in the block. Um, he'll out, he can outmuscle anyone. And I'm not expecting Jaron to outmuscle anybody. He definitely has something he can learn from Jonas. Um, he's not a great rebounder, but I think that'll come in time, especially as his game develops and he puts on a little more strength and things like that. Um, it was one of his few flaws that I didn't like coming out of Michigan State. He surprised me with his uh, with his post game early on this year. That was something I thought he had developed too. But now for me, the big thing is definitely uh, his rebounding ability. I agree with you completely. And the good thing is, is that he's not going to have to potentially see a detriment to his development because he's the guy the Grizzlies have to have rebound. They don't. They've got Clark. They're um, they're going to have Jonas. Those guys can take care of the rebounding if Jaron can develop mm-hmm. it. It's it's a big, big advantage for you to be able to, especially on the defensive end, to limit possessions for your opposition. Um, there's one guaranteed way, though, that a guy will see his value limited um, in the NBA, in any sport, and that's the fact that his minutes are limited. And that's where I think Jaron Jackson has to really improve his game. He is When he was playing last year, he set an, an historic pace for fouls. I don't think that anybody, I think Jaron played in 57, 58 games last year. It had been more than 20 years since someone had fouled at the rate that Jaron Jackson did. He's got to stay on the court. And that that's a big thing about it. That's discipline. That's just straightforward knowledge on, you know, the, the NBA reps and, and how he needs to adjust, you know, his positioning and things such as that so that he can stay on the court. But for me, that's it for Jaron Jackson Jr., is just the ability to keep improving the fouls to where he's not a liability, you know, not for his play, but just the fact that he's not on the court. We we want to avoid that, obviously, going forward. Colin, mm-hmm. do you have anything to add before we head out for, for the night? I can't thank you enough for joining us. Oh, absolutely. It was my pleasure. I love, love hopping on here. We always have some pretty good discussions. Um, I don't think I have anything left to add. We, I think we really covered the bases pretty well here tonight. How's Oregon's football team looking this year, Colin? Uh, I think they're going to be competing for the playoff. And, you know, I might just be a somewhat biased fan, but I think they got the pieces together. Ooh, Herbert. Is it Herbert? <laughs> Herbert? Whoever Herbert. your quarterback's name is. Yeah. Her, it's going to be that first game. <laughs> Herbert, I feel like that whatever happens in that Auburn game to start the year, that is going to be a significant, significant role in obviously oh, yeah. what happens with Oregon for the season, but also where Herbert's draft ability is going to be. He struggles against Auburn. That's another nick in his in the belt of the NFL scouts. That may make his stock fall. But if he can have success against Auburn's defense, I also think that could potentially solidify him as a top 10 pick. So big game for y'all to start out oh, the yeah. season. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a tone setter. Agreed. Well, you can follow Colin Griffith on Twitter at Colin at C-O-L-I-N underscore G-R-I-F-F. Colin is a, is a wonderful writer. Um, he's a great personality. And as you can tell, just a wonderful analyst who we, we are more than thrilled decided to come on with us. Colin, thank you so much. You have a great night. For all of y'all, 
Thank you so much for joining us here on the 3D Podcast. Have a great one. We'll see you later this week.